Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Pastor Phil Moore, he just called me a young firebrand. And uh, I am so far from young. Uh, I'm actually a lot older than I look. I'm just Chinese, and we kind of hold our age really, really well. And um, uh, it really is an honor and privilege to be here at C3 Tugara. And um, uh, just walking into this place, there's just such a sense of life, such a sense of joy such a sense of expectancy. I know that you guys know that really, really well. Um, but uh, as someone who travels for a living, uh, on my business card it says Gospel Ninja. Uh, I wander around this blue rock that God made and I get to talk about Jesus for a living. Um, I get to see a lot of stuff. And, uh, but every now and then you, you stumble into a place uh, and you're surprised in the most beautiful way. And this morning walking in, just even hanging out with um, Andrew and Evan in the car and kind of just talking to the two most Australian people I've met in my life. Um, and then kind of coming in and then uh, shaking hands with Pastor Phil and, and uh, shaking hands with Pastor um, Julie as well. There's just a sense of, of life and, um, and faith and expectation. And, and uh, I know that my life has already been blessed uh, by our interaction already. So thank you so much for this honor, for this privilege, uh, for this kind invitation. And and uh, I don't want to hold you up for too long here this morning, partly because I'm really hungry and I uh, haven't had breakfast yet, so I want to kind of get out of here and find some food as quick as possible. Uh, but as well as that, I don't believe God needs a lot of time to do a lot of work. And uh, I believe that God is up to something, not only here in this church, but He's up to something in Tugra. He's up to something in the Central Coast. Uh, he has got life to give. Come on, He's got love to extend. He's got some light to shine. He's got some work to do, and he's up to something good. So for my few minutes with you here this morning, I just want to uh, speak on the subject of storms. I'm going to talk about storms here this morning. It's all related to this breakthrough series. Um, how many people have experienced a storm in their life? You know what it's like, you're going through your day today, and uh, even this morning during the testimony, during the giving it's like just you wake up one morning and all of a sudden the, the clouds gather, the storm brews, and then it hits. Our lives get shaken. And uh, we cry out to God, and, and often God is uh, powerful and miraculous in an instant. Um, a, a breakthrough, a miracle, uh, a provision, a protection. Um, I have seen with my own eyes, they are small, but they are strong. I have seen uh, miracles in my own lifetime. Our God is the God, come on, of the breakthrough. For those who don't hang around church very often and it seems like a bit of a, a kind of an ethereal word, just breakthrough just means that God makes a difference, that God always eventually has his way. And there are times in storms where we cry out to God and he breaks through in an instant, but there are also times in the journey, have you experienced, that we cry out to God and we rest in his mercy, and sometimes he doesn't react or respond quite as quickly as we would feel comfortable. We know he's good. 
a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb prove that once and for all. We know that he's strong every single morning. Creation declares his majesty. But sometimes we ask this question in the pit of our belly, at the bottom of our soul. Hey, God, I know you're good and I know you're strong, but I'd like to see that breakthrough a little bit quicker. Where are you, Jesus, when you feel a little bit quiet in the storm? It is imperative for us as a faith community to wrestle with these seasons of silence. These liminal periods between the storm that we're in and the breakthrough that is our destiny. Because silence undealt with is distressing. Silence undealt with is disturbing. And silence undealt with over an extended period of time becomes destructive to our journey because God doesn't want to destroy you, but he wants to give you life and a life to the full. Come on, he has a hope for you. He has a future for you. He gives us the word of God and the spirit of God to help us navigate these seasons of silence. Before our breakthrough, we're in the middle of our storm. So for just a few moments here this morning, I want to talk about where Jesus is when it feels like he's being just a little bit quiet in our storm. And then after that, we're going to try to find out where there's some really good avocado and eggs in the area. (laughs) And then I'll head back to Sydney. But first, let me pray. We'll jump into it. Lord Jesus, help. Amen. So I'm really hungry, really, really hungry. Where is Jesus when it feels like he's being really quiet? in our storm. I remember a couple of years ago, um, my wife and I experienced a a storm in the form of our firstborn child. Uh, And there was immense silence in the middle of that storm. Uh, When Caitlin first came along, I thought this whole child rearing thing would be relatively easy. Uh, I was a youth communicator. She was a young person. We were going to get each other. Um, I read a book. You know, I thought I did everything that I could do. Uh, to prepare myself, to prepare ourselves for the rigors of having a baby. And sure enough, for the first couple of months, it was pretty easy. Uh, My baby slept well and she ate well. She even smiled for pictures. I thought to myself, I should be writing and releasing a book. (laughs) But then something started happening that didn't stop happening for two years. At 9 p.m. and then again at 11 p.m. and then again at 1 a.m. and then again at 3 a.m. and then again at 5 a.m., my little baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and she would begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears, like what are we hearing at the back today, like kind of like, oh, how cute, how nice, want to take a picture. No, I'm talking about blood-curdling screams that want to make you throw holy water on her and see if something flies out, that kind of crying. <laughs> and so my wife and I found ourselves incredibly and profoundly sleep-deprived night after night after night on this black couch in our lounge room, just exhausted, exasperated at the end of our rope. And like any good Christian soldier, you start crying out to God. You start praying those desperate prayers to God. You start doing those deals and those bargains with heaven. You know what I'm saying? You start turning towards heaven and say, hey, God, I know there's not theologically correct, but if there's any kind of goodwill stored up in the bank, I'll cash it all in. Just help me and my wife sleep just one night. But for some reason, in this particular storm, it felt like our prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. It felt like someone had bumped the mute button in heaven and Jesus was real quiet in our storm. Like I said before, there have been times in my life where I had faced a trial, uh, a season of tribulation, a stress or a strain, and I cried out to God, and He reacted. He responded instantaneously, a move of His power, a miracle before my very eyes. I had seen these situations before, but for some reason in this particular circumstance, it felt like He got really, really quiet. As I found myself night after night after night on the same black couch, with a crying wife and a crying baby, immediately crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man. 
So I think to myself, okay, if the prayer's not going to do it, I'm pushing it to the next level. I'm going to bring the Word of God into this drama. And so I'm praying prayers, and I bring out the Word of God, and I've got a concordance, and I'm finding every single verse in the Bible with the words stillness, silence, peace, like shut up. I'm basically just, I'm just speaking it over my baby. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. But still, night after night, for some reason, I find myself with my wife in the same spot, feeling like these prayers are being unheard, that this word of God is being impotent, and it felt like Jesus was being, being real quiet in my storm, crying wife, crying baby, and me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man. I think to myself, you know what, okay, if the word of God can't do it in this situation, and the prayer can't do it, I'm pushing it to the next level, I'm, real, I'm rolling out the big guns, I'm bringing Darlene check into this mix, so I've got like simply worship too, so she's shouting unto the Lord, and then I've got like kind of rubbing the Bible on her head. I'm praying prayers, but still silence in the storm. I'm exasperated. I'm thinking to myself, wow, if Darlene can't sort this out, I'm going to have to wheel out the really big guns. So I've turned on Christian TV. So I've got Joyce preaching. I've got Darlene singing. I'm rubbing the Bible in her head, praying prayers. But night after night, we find ourselves in the same place. Silence in the storm. Silence can be distressing. And silence can be disturbing. And silence in this situation was starting to become destructive. As I knew in my heart, and I know very clearly in my head, that God is good and that God is strong. But that question began to gnaw. Where is your goodness in this situation? Where is your strength in this moment? And now because I'm a part of a church throughout this entire ordeal, there are well-meaning segments of every faith community who will remain nameless. Women who will come forward and try to give you advice on how to get your baby. Am I right, Pastor Julie? All the time they try to come up and get, what are you, what are you, what are you, I'm not punch him, I want to bless him like strong. I want to bless him hard, like in the name of Jesus. And, and they, they try to give you advice on how to get your baby to go to sleep. I had this old Chinese lady come and tell me what I need to do was to get my baby and pour boiling Chinese tea on her back. And what would happen is the black hair would grow out, I need to shave the hair off and my baby would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night, I'm rubbing the Bible on her head, I'm praying prayers, Darlene singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, because that's how you get when you find yourself in a season of silence, in a storm. And before you white people get on your child rearing high horses, there were some crazy Caucasian remedies too. I had this old white lady come and tell me what I needed to do was get my baby and wrap her really tight in towels and put her on a washing machine and turn the washing machine on. It's actually a lady in the back saying, sir, that actually works. And, I, and Because what would happen is the rocking motion would make my child think she was in the womb again and she would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night, I'm praying prayers, Darlene singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, there's a baby on my washing machine, because that's how you get. When you find yourself in the middle of a storm, you're crying out to a good and a strong God, but that goodness and strength isn't being manifested in that moment yet. You know your breakthrough is around the corner because God always wins. You know that things will work out for the good because my king promised me that he has the power, the capacity, and the desire, come on, to turn all things for my good. But the question, doesn't it, it hums in the pit of our belly in the depths of our soul, as we sit on these black couches in the middle of our storm sometimes, just wondering, God, where are you in the middle of my storm?
Now, I know for a fact there are many people here this morning who have never experienced profound sleep deprivation from a crying baby. But I know there are many other people here in this room who have experienced their own kind of storm, their own kind of trial, their own kind of test. And you've asked this question, hey, where are you, God, sometimes, when it feels like you're being quiet in the middle of that storm? I know there are some people here this morning who have gone through a financial storm, you know, a money kind of storm, and it felt like Jesus went a bit quiet. We've had a global economic downturn, but everything's meant to be coming back. You know, the, the bounce back, the comeback is on. And you're seeing your competitors, you're seeing other people in your field or your industry, and they're all starting to bloom and boom again, but, sh- but it feels like you've missed that blooming and that booming. And you're doing everything right by the book. You're kind of you're sowing and you're giving and you're tithing. You're going along to business men's and business women's breakfast. You're claiming him as Jehovah Jireh, clap your provider. You're doing everything right by the book. But for some reason, it feels like you've missed that elevator up. And you ask that question, don't we? Where are you, God, in the middle of this financial storm? I'm seeing you bless everybody else. I'm seeing everyone else retake and remake ground. But for us, how about my business? How about my family? Maybe even this week, you found yourself with your partner or your spouse, and you're sitting at a table or a desk, looking at the bills, scratching your head, trying to work out how to make ends meet when the ends seem to want to have nothing to do with one another. And we ask this question, don't we, sometimes? Hey, God, I know that you're the God who has, like, you know, cattle on a thousand hills. I don't even need a thousand cattle. Just throw one kind of sickly one in my direction, but (laughs) it feels like you've gone real quiet in my financial storm. How about those family storms? Come on, mums and dads, they're called teenagers. Remember, like, a couple of years ago, it felt like, you know, everything was just going just right. The Bible told you that if you raise, raise them in a certain way, they wouldn't depart from these paths. But right now, they're not only departing, they're running away at a rate of knots. And you see your other friends and their teenagers, and they're all growing closer to one another. They're going along to SG Youth. They're going along and just going great guns with Jesus. And, and don't we sometimes lock ourselves in our bedrooms and stare towards the heavens and kind of go, hey, God, how about my teenager? How about my child? Why won't you answer my prayer? I can see my friends, and they're all growing closer and going forward, but it feels like you've bumped the mute button and I'm not not hearing from you for my kids where are you in the middle of my family storm do you care about my kids how about those singleness storms there are some some people here today who wrestle with that that that, um, the, the, the issue of singleness and as I travel I see it so many times young men and young women sometimes not so young men and not so young women they ask this question Hey, where are you in the middle of my singleness storm? I mean, so many young women who kind of just doing everything right by the book. I'm just so pure, I'm holy in the meantime. It's kind of like reading my Bible and kind of just dating Jesus, waiting for Mr. Right to come along, like kind of half Edward, half Jacob, kind of will sit me up. And you're kind of like, you're doing everything right by the book. Well, we laugh now, but there were some people who weren't laughing last night. And they were asking this question. I'm seeing everybody else finding their person who completes them. You know, I'm seeing all my friends finding their Mr. Right. And you're kind of going, I don't even need Mr. Right right now. I'm, I'd be happy with Mr. Close enough. And, and I'm wondering, where are you, God, in the middle of my singleness storm? There are some married people here this morning who kind of wish they were single. <laughs> Sorry. But... Come on, there are marriages under fire. There are marriages under strain, aren't there? And sometimes... 
I, I, I come across married couples who cry out to God individually. Where's our breakthrough? Where's our healing? Where's, you know, the, 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 the revival of our marriage? And, and you see your friends and you see the way that they have experienced the move of God, just the wave of the Spirit, and, 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 and you've seen your friends get knit together closer than ever, but for you and your spouse, it feels like you're growing further and further apart. And you stare towards heaven and you scratch your head and you kind of go, hey, God, where are you in my marriage? Why won't you perform a miracle in this union? Where are you in the middle of my marriage storm? Come on, how about those employment storms? They kind of, hey, we're, we're doing everything right by the book. I, I know for like people who are very close to me right now that they have a phenomenal resume and half of it isn't even real. And, but they, but they, they're putting, they can't even get an interview at the moment. And they're bringing this stuff before God. Come on, they're praying the same prayers that we pray. Come on, they are still believing for the same provider to provide and, and still nothing. And they ask this question, where are you in the middle of this storm? How about those health storms? That sickness, that ailment, that disease, that cancer. And we know that he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And we've seen the video testimonies. Come on, we've heard the stories with our own very ears. But sometimes we ask this question, where's my video testimony? I wouldn't mind telling my story at church. But still I wrestle with that handicap. Still I wrestle with that sickness. Still I wrestle with that foul disease. And you find yourself in that doctor's waiting room or lying in that hospital bed just staring towards the heavens. And we ask that question, don't we? I know you're good and I know you're strong, but a little bit of goodness in your strength right now would be kind of helpful. Where are you in the middle of my health storm? I head down this track not because I want to kill a mood. <laughs> I'm not being morbid. I'm just trying to be real. And if there's something I've noticed about this church in my few brief moments I've been here, I get this incredible sense that this church is desperately desirous to connect a supernatural, loving, above and beyond God with a real world. And you've got to understand, faith is not a denial of reality. No, faith is an immersing into reality, just making sure that God is in the midst of this equation. Come on, and it is so therefore important for us, it is of utmost imperative nature that we, come on, wrestle with these real experiences that people have, that people like you and me have where we know God is good, we know the breakthrough's around the corner, but we're kind of scratching our head and wondering what's going on in the meantime. So all I want to do in my last few minutes with you before we go off and find some avocado and eggs, because there are great avocados in this area, and I know there's a free-range egg somewhere. And so I just want to ask this question. Where is Jesus when it feels like he's being quiet in our storm? And the way I want to do this is by having a look at a story in the Bible about a time when Jesus... Uh, you, you just snuck up there with the keyboard. Girl, sorry, sorry, that was my fault. You can sneak back out there. I, I, I'm Chinese. I've got really good peripheral vision. And so I thought... <laughs> that was a racism test, and you failed it, sir. Um, I'll give you the wink. I'll give you the wink again. Like, they're not real big, so you've got to, like, look real close. But I'll give you the wink when you've got to sneak up there for the kind of the, the gospel keyboard action. Um, I love the keyboard ninjas all over the world. They kind of, they're always look, listening out for the cue and then they're up and then they go, da, 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 da. I love them. And you feel like Jesus is in the room, isn't it? When as soon as they start playing and then they stop, Jesus goes away and then comes back again when you start playing. No, messing around. And so, <clears throat> all I want to do is have a really quick look at a story in the Bible about a time 
when Jesus went just really quiet in his disciples' storm. And I want to make a few observations about where he was and propose to you that this is still where he is in our lives when it feels like he's gone just a little bit quiet. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Mark? The book of Mark chapter 4. Come on, everybody, turn to Mark. and uh, Everyone say Mark. Just say Mark. Hey, say, say Mark like, um, like Evan. Mark. Say Mark like an American. Mark. Say Mark like a Chinaman. Mark. Awesome. I taught you languages this morning. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. The Bible says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, a massive storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I'm just going to be making a few observations from this text. If you're writing down notes, you can pull out your notebooks and your pens right now. I'm old school, I like doing that. If you have an iPhone or an iPad or an iPod, you can pull that out and open up the Note app and thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs as you do so because you have a wonderful, wonderful piece of technology you have there. If you have, if you have an Android or a BlackBerry device, you can put that away. I have nothing for you from this point. <laughs> I just want to make a few observations about where Jesus was and more pertinently where Jesus is when it feels like he's just gone just a little bit quiet in our storm. I love this story because I can see myself in this story. Here are a group of disciples just trying to get from point A through to point B and stay close to Jesus. This day, Jesus instructs them to get into the boat to go to the other side. Right off the bat, I want to kind of make this observation that the disciples weren't doing anything wrong here. We need to break this erroneous, even paganistic thinking that says that when something bad is happening in our life, it means that God is somehow angry or we've done something wrong. Sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. The disciples were smacked back metaphorically in the middle of God's will in this boat with Jesus going from one point of a lake to another side of the lake. The Bible tells us that a furious squall, a massive storm comes up. That word in the Greek literally means an unrelenting storm. It just feels like you're getting smashed by a wave and just as you get your head up and you get a breath, another wave hits you. Have you ever experienced that before? Well, this is what the disciples are experiencing in this boat. They're getting smashed by unrelenting waves. And this is so intense, a storm, that these young men, most of whom were raised on this very Sea of Galilee, they had seen storms before. They had thought to themselves, wow, no, this is the big one. We are going under. It's time to get our last will and testament in order. It's time to say our last goodbyes. I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. And the whole way through this episode, as it builds to a crescendo, the Bible tells us that Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. He's out of it. He's like kind of in this deep state of dream-producing, NREM sleep. 
He's seemingly disconnected from their plight. And the disciples ask the question we've all asked before at some point. Hey, teacher, do you care? I know you're good, but are you worried like we're worried? Hey, I know that you're, you're like kind of amongst us and here with us because you never leave us or forsake us, but, but, but do you mind speaking up a little bit right now because this situation and this circumstance is relatively impending right now. I love the authenticity. I love the genuineness of the scriptures as we see disciples just like us asking the same kinds of questions. Hey, teacher, we're going under. Are you seeing this? And do you care if we drown? Jesus, in his time, by his grace and for his glory, awakes, turns to the wind and turns to the waves and says, quiet, be still. Creation is calmed, peace is restored, revelation is revealed, but more about that later. I want to ask this question, where was Jesus? No, 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 where is Jesus when it feels like he's gone just a little bit quiet in our storm? Point number one, where is Jesus when it feels like he's quiet in our storm? He is still in your boat. He is still in your boat. Come on, everyone smile just a little bit. That was good news. Come on, he is still in your boat. The Bible tells us that taking him along just as he was, come on, in the boat. Where was Jesus? He was still in the boat. He had not left them. He had not forsaken them. He would promised to be with them to the very end of this age. And the great promise maker in that moment was being a grand promise keeper. Come on, where was he? He was still in the boat. There wasn't like a trap door that he snuck out of. Angels didn't whisk him away. No, he was still in the boat. As the waves tossed the disciples, the waves were tossing Jesus. As the rain drenched the disciples, the rain was drenching Jesus. If that boat capsized and the disciples would have to make a swim for shore, Jesus would have capsized and he would have to make a swim slash walk for shore because Jesus was still in the boat. And if you walk out of this place with nothing else, I hope and pray you walk away with this. No matter how dark the night, no matter how sting the pain, no matter how bad the doctors report, no matter how, uh, how hurtful it is to be rejected, no matter what you go through, you can't go through anything without Jesus being in your boat. He doesn't leave. He does not forsake. But, but Dan, I sat alone last night. He was still in your boat. But, but Dan, I'm kind of looking at these figures and they're just, he's still in your boat. But Dan, the doctor said this or the specialist reported that. He's still in your boat. That is the beauty. That is the distinctive of Christianity. That's what captivated my heart as an 18-year-old first-year university student. And that's the reason I've been following him ever since. See, when I started at university, I was a very spiritual young man. I was just fascinated with religions, and, and, and uh, this kind of stemmed from uh, a fascination with, with history and archaeology growing up. And one thing that always used to strike me was this, this common thread that used to knit us together as a humanity. We've always been fascinated with God. No matter who you are, like kind of where you're from, what century you derive from, whether you're white or you're black or you're yellow or a nice kind of honey brown like Pastor Phil... Like kind of, we've all asked questions about God. What's fascinating about how, about all world religions is how basically all world religions are basically the same. All world religions are basically the same, except for Jesus, except for Christianity. You see, every other world religion is about man striving towards God, come on, man's pursuit of God. But then Christianity shows up 
with a message from Jesus and he flips the script and he changes the game. He says, no, Christianity is the opposite. It's not about man striving towards God. It's about God and his love striving towards man. Every other world religion is about us somehow doing something through our service or our sacrifice, our effort, our endeavor to lift us out of this evil world. But Christianity says, no, God comes into this broken world to be with us and to never leave us and never forsake us. Smile, this is really good news. He breaks in and he doesn't leave. This, my friends, is the beautiful distinctive of Christianity. This is the hinge on which the gospel swings. The God who comes near, who stays near, and is here. He does not leave and he does not forsake. Where is he? He's still in your boat. And not only is he still in your boat, point number two, he's still in control. He is still in control. See, as this story unfolds, the Bible says that as this furious squall sparks up, this unrelenting storm smashes the boat, Jesus is in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now, on the surface, I can understand why some people interpret that as apathy. Jesus slept because he didn't care. Jesus was being nonchalant, disconnected from their plight. This sleeping was Jesus kind of, you know, dropping the ball. But I want to propose to you that when Jesus slept, it was not an expression of him not caring. It was an expression of him not being stressed. You see, the care and the concern and the love of God was proven once and for all. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates. Come on, God illustrates. God puts it in 3D technicolor for all of us regarding how he feels about us that whilst we're still sinners running in the other direction, arrogant towards God, he still sent Jesus all the way to die for us. Or in other words, he's proven his love for us once and for all. Come on, he's proven his care for us once and for all. So therefore, we must deduce that if he slept, he didn't sleep because he didn't care. He must have slept for another reason, and I propose he slept because he wasn't stressed. He was sleeping like a baby, if you will. Well, your baby, not my baby. (laughs) Because how do you get stressed when you're God? Can everyone just listen to me for a second here? This is Jesus, all right? He's not just like a radical rabbi from a couple of thousand years ago. He's not just some kind of miraculous Messiah. No, no. This is Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us, this is Jesus Christ, literally God, through whom everything is made, in whom everything is held together. He's quite literally the boss of the universe. He's got the whole world in his hands. This is Jesus. How do you get stressed when you're getting drenched by rain and you invented rain? How do you get intimidated by a sea of Galilee that you crafted with your very hands? How does death stare someone down who's already kicked death in the mouth? Jesus didn't sleep because he didn't care. Jesus slept because he wasn't stressed. Because he's Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end, the one who understands how this story is going to play out. And if the disciples were paying closer attention, they would have noticed Jesus already gave them the final scene. He said, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, let's go into the middle of the lake to drown. (laughs) And we laugh now, but so often we don't live out this theology. We sometimes, oh, Jesus Jesus and Elvis have left the building and this is all over. No, 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 no. He didn't bring you this far, come on, to leave you here. He didn't take you out into the middle of the lake to drown. He's taking you, come on, to the other side. Come on. 
He didn't just want breakthrough to be some kind of cool little slogany thing on the wall. No, he wanted this to be your testimony. He wanted this to be your story. He wanted this to be the brand of your life. Our God is taking you to the other side. He understood how things were going to play out. The fat lady wasn't singing. The final credits weren't rolling, so he slept deeply. Now, when you freak out, when you fret, don't get down on yourself. It's natural and it's normal as finite beings who are not alpha nor omega. We're not the beginning nor the end. We see things in two dimensions. We kind of just get some kind of perspective of what's happening now, some kind of recollection of what's happened before. So when we kind of look towards the future and we worry and we fret, don't get down on yourself. It's par for the course. But God is not bound by our finiteness. God is defined by his deity. And he's in total and absolute control. He says, I got you, and I don't let go. He's still in control in that hospital ward. He's still in control in that meeting with that banker. He's still in control as you're tearing the last of your hair out in that ministry. He's still in control in that house full of slamming doors. He's still in control in the midst of that university drama. He is still in control. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. Smile. This is really good news. I'm sure he's ambidextrous. Many can use both hands equally well. But the Psalms keep referring to this strong right hand with which he promises to grab hold of your life and not let go. There's a beautiful American-Italian ambassador um, who is still alive today. Uh, He's done wonderful things uh, for uh, the nation of the United States. His name is Sylvester Stallone. And uh, does anyone know who Sly is here in this room still? Anyone over the age of 30 knows Sly? Come on. We love Sly. I love how Sly plays the same role in every single movie, just with a different name, okay? There was a movie from back in the day. A lot of you would have never watched it. It's called Cliffhanger, okay? Good movie. So Cliffhanger basically has Sylvester Stallone as like a rock climbing dude. And uh, in the opening scene, you know what's going to happen because he's rock climbing with a woman who seems inconsequential to the rest of the plot, all right? So, you know, this woman's going to fall. She's going to die. Sure enough, she slips, she falls, and Sylvester grabs her. And so she's here hanging over a 100-meter drop, jagged rocks everywhere, and Sylvester is trying to calm her down. Can you imagine hanging over a 100-meter drop, and the dude be like trying to calm you down, going, and so you think to yourself, if there's someone on planet Earth who's strong enough, who has the muscular arm development, who has had an basically a history of steroid use, if there's someone who's strong enough to lift this woman to safety, it's Sylvester, but even Sylvester could hold on for so long. And eventually he slips and he loses grip. You've got to understand, God doesn't do that because he can't do it. Some people think that there is some stuff that God, you know, that God can do anything. No, I want to let you know here this morning, there is some stuff that God just can't do. He can't lie to you. He can't sin. And he can't fail. So when he promises to grab hold of your life and every part of it, come on, you can build your life upon that as a fact. So we've established here this morning, while we're waiting for our breakthrough, he's still in your boat. He's still in control. 
And number three, he's getting ready to act. He's getting ready to act. By his grace and for his glory in his time, come on, he's going to move. He's getting ready to act. But in the meantime, listen to me, don't miss it. He's doing some of his best work. I love the way this story finishes off. So the storm is going crazy and the disciples are freaking out and and, uh, somehow they convene a meeting to kind of, they decide we need to try to wake up the master. Now now this episode grew in intensity because no one wanted to wake Jesus up because you don't want to wake a guy who can basically raise people from the dead because they concluded he could do the opposite. So they're going, you know, we don't want to mess with Jesus. When he's sleeping and he's out and he doesn't want to be like kind of disturbed, I don't want to be the one who's messing around with Jesus to sleep. So I, I can just imagine this, this like kind of the disciples getting together, having a bit of an argument, going, who's going to wake Jesus up? And they kind of go, hey, Simon Peter, you're always shooting your mouth off. You should say something. And Simon Peter goes, he called me Satan last week. I don't want to push it right now. And kind of, hey, Judas, you should say something. I don't know. He's always looking at me weird. And kind of, so, so <coughs> the disciples convey a meeting eventually somehow. They decide someone's got to wake Jesus up, and the Bible says Jesus wakes up, and he just turns to the wind, and he turns to the waves. He turns to the most ominous situation that you could imagine, and he just says, shh, quiet, be still. Don't ever allow a season of silence to diminish your understanding of his potency to move. Come on, don't ever allow that time before your breakthrough to convince you that God is not, come on, capable of every breakthrough. Because he's just as strong as he has ever been. I just feel in my spirit for 30 seconds, I need to take you guys to Sunday school again to remind you of the strength of our breakthrough God. Come on, this is our God. This is Jesus. And he's got the strength to bring forth all of creation, to speak it into existence in six days and still take a day off to watch State of Origin Rugby. Come on, this is Jesus. He's still got this. He's got the strength to bring forth the nation of Israel out of a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, this is Jesus. He's got the strength to humble Pharaoh and all of Egypt's army with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind. This is Jesus. He can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. This is Jesus. He's got the strength to fell the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. This is Jesus. He can close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church, save your crazy life. Come on, this is Jesus. Come on, this is Jesus. And he's just as strong as he has ever been. And by his grace and for his glory, in his time, he wakes up and he moves. He turns to the, to the weather pattern and it says, quiet, be still. I love that. You've got to understand, for young men being raised on the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago, there wouldn't have been a force in nature more powerful than this weather pattern that I had seen many times before. The explosion that occurred when the cold air from the Sea of Galilee hit the hot air coming through the valleys leading into the Sea of Galilee. They had seen these weather patterns before. And for Jesus just to look at it and give it a dirty one, just kind of like this, and it is quietened, it is quelled. 
it was made, come on, abundantly clear again. Our God is just as strong as he has ever been. I want to remind you here, my friends, at C3 Tugra, he's just as strong as he's ever been. He can stare down lack. He can stare down cancer. He can stare down divorce. He can stare down dispute. He can stare down anything that would desire to rob you of your peace or your joy and just say, quiet, be still. Creation is calmed. Peace is restored. But I love the way this wraps up. Because he says, at the end of the story to his disciples, hey guys, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Or in other words, Jesus is going, we're going through all of this because I'm trying to get you to get something. She's like, she's like this. <laughs> There's a sense that Jesus is like kind of having this conversation with the disciples and he's slightly exasperated as he's going, hey disciples, I'm, I'm trying to get you guys to learn something. And, and I deduce from that that because Jesus is more interested in the men and the women that we're becoming, the faith that's developing, the trust that is growing. Sometimes he'll allow us to go through a season of silence because he uses these seasons of silence to teach us something, to show us something we couldn't be taught or learn in any other environment. Because you get a sense from Jesus, he's kind of going, I'm trying to show you something about myself. I'm, I'm trying to get you to get something about me and about yourself. And, and, I, and, I, and I want you to get it in this kind of situation. And we know that Jesus was successful in this plight because at the end of the story, the Bible says the disciples turn to one another and say, who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Or in other words, we know more about God, therefore we know more about ourselves at the end of this season than we did at the beginning. And I conclude our time together by just declaring this over your life. While you're waiting for your breakthrough, God's doing some of his best work. It's easy to talk about him being our Jehovah Jireh, clap our provider. It's a beautiful ditty that we sing. But you just wait until you find yourself in a situation. My wife and I, for the first time in many years, found ourselves in a situation this year, even from a financial point of view, where we actually had to, come on, lean into and trust in God. It goes from a ditty that we sing to a declaration of our life. This is not, this is not just a theology that we throw around. This is the testimony of our very days. He's the God who provides. It's nice to sing Amazing Grace as a hymn, but until you actually find yourself needing His grace to give you the very breath that you breathe, it's always a hymn that you sing and never truly just Him and everything that He does. But I just love how God, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the tribulation, when we see him move like we theoretically know he can. All of these kinds of theories that we banter so easily on a Sunday morning, come on, actually become the fabric of our very faith. Some of us actually praying really hard to get out of something God spent a lot of time trying to get us into because he's trying to do something. 
my friends, I've got some good news for you. Your breakthrough is coming. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's still doing something good. He's in your boat. He's in control. And he's getting ready to act. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's doing some of his best work. Smile. This is really good news. I would love to wrap my time up with you with a miracle story because being around Pastor Phil and Julie makes me want to talk about miracles. I wish I could tell you that at the end of a couple of years, I was there with my crying baby and an angel broke through the ceiling and placed a coal in her mouth and said that she would preach a gospel to the nations because that's the reason she won't be quiet now. That didn't happen. After two years, my little baby girl went to sleep because she was really, really tired. But don't worry. My wife and I were smart enough to make another one, to pick up exactly where his sister left off. So there we were again, on the same black couch, crying wife, crying baby boy, and me still not crying because I'm a manly man. And I'm coming going, not again. I'm still reading my Bible, and Joyce is still preaching, and Darlene is still singing, and, and still night after night after night. Silence in another storm. But this time, there was a difference. This time, there was a confidence. This time, there was a knowing. I remember one night, we're there in the middle of the night. We're sitting on our black couch. And um, Josiah was crying. And, and Krista turns to me, my wife. She says, hey, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. Because Jesus is still in our boat. And I told her, honey, I know because I taught you that. I make no apologies. I like to laugh at church. Some people think that church is a chore and church is a bore. Come on. I don't want that anymore. I just rapped and everything. That's pretty cool. I make no apologies. Church should be the most joy-filled, come on, laughter-marked place on planet Earth, especially on a Sunday because so the redeemed are coming together. So come on, we know the grace of God. I got breath in my lungs and God on my side. Every day is a good day. Come on. And there's plenty of love and power to go around. But I know there are some people here this morning who didn't spend a lot of time laughing this week. In fact, you've been going through a storm. You've been going through a season of silence. And for you, I'd love to pray. That's all. And, um, and I'm not trying to be condescending or, or trying to be, I'm not, I'm not trying to be trite by just giving you a three little kind of, you know, mind easy. T- I'm, this is not about tips. This is about a declaration about a God who loves you, who gets into your boat and doesn't leave who always remains in control, even though it feels like everything's out of control. And he's going to do something good. He's going to do something good. So I would love the chance just to pray with you before I wrap up and just to stand with a few of my friends. I want to believe for a miracle with you. I want to see your breakthrough. I want to see your provision. I want your baby to stop crying. I want all those things to happen. But before that, I'm believing that you're going to know his presence more than ever. You're going to know his control more than ever.
and you're going to know his strength more than ever. Lord Jesus, for my friends right now, I know that all of us in some way, shape or form have gone through one of these seasons. And right now I confess to you that in some ways it's affected me in a negative way. It's been disturbing, it's been distressing, it's affected my faith. Right now, Lord God, I pray that by your spirit, you would afresh and anew remind us of your presence here with us, your power over creation and your desire to move on our behalf. I believe for a breakthrough for all of my friends here seeking one, but in the meantime, Lord God, we pray that this time would not be wasted, but that you would do a very good work. You would open up our eyes to see you more clearly. You would open up our hearts to receive you more fully. We thank you, God, that you're going to move, but in the meantime, you're doing something very, very good. Do it for your name's sake, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.